exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. 89 FM. The Impact. And now, Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. You're tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox, and tonight it is the first Tuesday of the month, and that means that Olin Health Center is in to talk about sex relationships, and this topic of the day is going to be eating disorders, and this is Sexposure on Impact Exposure. Will you guys go around and introduce yourselves? Right. I'm Kevin. Hello. Erica from Olin Health Center. Rhonda. And this is Dr. D from Olin Health Center. Kevin, was that your bedroom voice? (laughs) Let me get into it real quick. (laughs) (laughs) We're happy to be here, and Emily assures us that we'll be, it'll be a fun show. We'll be out of here before the full storm hits, right, Emily? That's right. And we haven't been back with you in a while, have we? You've been on vacation, singing up a storm last time. Yeah, Yeah, concert choirs, yeah. All sorts of stuff. So our topic today is... Eating disorders. And the events going on in February for Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Um, And we'll throw in some sexuality, too, since it is the sex exposure edition on Tuesday. And Valentine's Day is coming up. It is. is. Quick. It's already February 1st. Yeah, so maybe the question of the day should be, what are your plans for Valentine's Day? Well, yeah, we could do that. We were talking about, maybe we should just ask the audience what their favorite food is. What their favorite food is? Oh, that's a good question. What since do you think, we're talking about favorite food, sure, that's fine. And the reason we we the question of the day may Spanish. be what is your favorite food because February twentieth to the twenty sixth is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. That's right. However, that has more to do with Valentine's Day than really eating disorders because eating disorders aren't about food. So. Yeah, I'm just I'm hungry. That's why I asked for that, that question out there. Didn't have your dinner yet. What, what's your favorite food? Uh, we're, but you know, it, it's it's uh, I don't know about you. Well, I, I, I actually I do know about you. <laughs> but I am. This could take a lot. I am so tired of the conversations and the pronouncements and the dialogue about obesity, eating disorders, weight loss. Food, nutrition, dietary new regimes, uh, data on three to five vegetables that I'm about to, uh, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure where to go. I mean, if there's one more pronouncement about obesity in the state of Michigan and or nationally about new diet, Rhonda, what is this whole craze about? I mean, why, why is everybody so obsessed I don't think we have enough time for, we the, have, for that discussion. We have, we have a lot of time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't really know where to go with that comment, Dennis, because we've had this conversation many times, and we're just a very weight-focused, weight-obsessed kind of, of culture right now with a lot of, especially with Michelle Obama's sort of her platform is childhood obesity. Um, so it, it's really out there. And, there, you know, there's a huge market, people making billions and billions of dollars. I mean, a $52 billion a year industry for dieting with uh, over 95%, if not 100% failure rate. So, But there's a lot of money to be made in the area of weight loss. 
and to but, make people. But try I, to I, I know we want our listeners to join in too, so call in and join this discussion. But you know, even our new governor, Governor Snyder, said he needs to lose ten to fifteen pounds. And I guess the question I want to ask the governor is, why? <laughs> I think I'll. I mean, well, you know, one of his dashboard, going. one of his dashboard. Um, what do you call them? Dashboard indicators. Indicators. Right. <laughs> okay, we won't, we won't even go there. But one of them is to reduce um, obesity in Michigan. And then he used his example of having gained somewhere between five and ten or fifteen pounds during because he let himself go during the um, during the campaign, and that he was not going to make a big deal of it right now, but he was definitely going to do that later. And uh, you know, and things like that when it's out in the media without. Really, people making, someone who's a businessman basically making a statement about making an issue and an example of his attempts to lose weight. I mean, it's why people get so confused. I think it's one of the things that keep people, I mean, I just it just makes it so difficult for people just to be comfortable with themselves, to understand really about nutrition, which isn't really about restriction and about portion control. I mean, even the new labels that are coming out where everything's on the very front of the label in big prints, the calories and so on. Right thing. Um, so people can even, I don't know, ignore more print, but, uh, but also people, especially people who have issues, when you think about eating disorders, people have issues around food in terms of using food to restrict. Um, that Those kind of things don't help people. The people who put them on there don't understand that the people that it affects the most are the people who have the more, most issues with food in terms of their eating disorder. Well, I, I, have a, I have a counter argument. And again, for our listeners, if you want to join the conversation, our phone number here is 432-3893. Emily, before you do, let me just say, okay. if you do call in, we still have our complimentary prize packs that we'll give you because Always. this is exposure where That's we'll right. have uh, condoms and lube. There'll be low-fat lubes, by the way. <laughs> I'm kidding, Rhonda. I'm kidding. And a t-shirt as well. And a t-shirt. So the, you're complimentary. So if you do call in and you want to, should I say, weigh in on this topic? Uh, I'm sorry. Bad <laughs> pun. Oh, go ahead. And again, the phone number is 432-3893. So Rhonda, a question that I have is, um, also, not only has there been um, the issue of, of people um, in food as the matter of losing weight or, or as an image control, but also there's been a lot of focus around food as far as, you know, the organic trend or buying local and knowing what's in your food. Mm -hmm. So maybe the idea of people trying to be healthy in the, in the sense that they want to know what's in their food. Maybe they're not looking at the calories, but maybe they're looking at how processed is it, which also is a contributor to, you know, weight gain or things like that. Perhaps. I know, you know, one yeah. of my friends said she cut out um, processed food and you know she lost weight but if, if it's about losing weight or not the idea of being able to know what is in your food is also a trend but I don't have any problem with farmers markets the slow food movement mm -hmm. people learning how to cook which is pretty unusual these days yeah. <laughs> so yes. I don't have any problem with that going local I mean my son was in Rome last year we went to visit we went to the market every day and and bought groceries for that day I, I think that's fantastic. We don't live in a culture where that's easily possible for people to mm -hmm. do. And so, but when you're talking about labeling, you're not talking about those kind of labels. You're talking about calories, fat, 
carbs, protein, sugar. So, so define that to me. They're putting new labels on food. What? Yeah, talk about what is on those labels. Is it just? Is it not just the nutrition information as you would get on? Like, it's not the, the what they're putting on the front are they're highlighting the the calories. I see. Yeah, I mean they're thinking. You know, the, the thing that is so frustrating is we've been doing the same old, same old, same old approach to weight loss in this country for years and years and years. And we continue to do it. I don't know if we, it's like someone who hits their head against a wall several times. You think somehow it's going to hurt differently? Hasn't given it it, it yet. doesn't. It's still the same hurt. Or maybe it hurts longer after <laughs> the more you do it. But, but we keep repeating the same attempts to lose weight in the same way. I mean, even the diet cycle. I mean, Atkins has been around a couple times with, you know, what we stress to restrict <coughs> cycles. But in the end, it's all not successful. People lose weight initially. And then they gain it back, but but for some people, that's what is a contributor to their very um, disordered relationship with food in their body. And I feel like there's, I mean, to go on the other side mm -hmm. of labeling, um, when it comes to like free range and people wanting to know what's in their mm -hmm. food, it's more of like I feel like that is a humane way of looking at your dietary or your diet altogether. And I feel like it, it might be misconstrued as to having losing weight because it's free-range chicken or it's natural chicken. Or sustainable. Or sustainable, you know, so there's all the different viewpoints you can look at, it, different labels that are on them, which people misconstrue yeah. as to, oh, I'm eating healthier now that I'm eating free-range beef, you know, and <laughs> like, I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's a good thing. In fact, there's a, there's a television show on today by, uh, um, What's her name? She's big. Oprah Winfrey, I believe, is her name, <laughs> which was the vegan diet. Oh, just Oprah, right? Oh, it's just Oprah. Oprah. It's got to be true. But uh, she was talking about the vegan diet and just the labels and stuff like that. And people get very misconstrued by some of the, not the calor calories. You know, what all, I was but... thinking of when you were talking is um, my daughter lives in Portland, Oregon, and there's a new independent film show called uh, Portlandia. I just recently watched that, actually. <laughs> Did you watch the one? Where they go and visit the farm? <laughs> they go to a restaurant, and it's about the... Um, sort of sustainable organic and yep. they go to this couple go to the restaurant and they ask about the free range the organic chicken and and then the waitress brings out the papers now this is carl or something oh and, and he was raised on a farm 30 miles from here is a very humane environment and you know and then they they've got a picture about... and here's his papers and i mean we can carry they're sort of making fun of that movement sort of in portland but i mean I, like i said it's really about whether someone uses this information to enhance their health in a positive way or that they use it to restrict. Mm -hmm. And there's a really different approach to food. I, I believe that all foods are okay. I think the best thing is that food is just different. We need to eat a variety of food. You know, we can't I always tell my clients we can't live on uh, carrots and we can't live on Oreos, but we can live with both of them. You know, it's about finding that sort of variety for yourself that's not restrictive. Well, help me, help me with this, though, Rhonda. The, the concept I hear a lot, which I tend to want to just drive over a cliff when I hear it these days, is eating healthy. What does it mean to eat healthy? I mean, you and I have had discussions ad nauseum about what is health, but what does it mean to eat healthy? I mean, for the governor to say, I let myself go, is that like, oh, my God, I walked to the dark side and I let myself go because I ate a little bit more than I normally do and I gained some weight? Maybe that's what your body needed at that point. Yeah, Maybe it needed that. Change. So for someone to say, I let myself go, now I'm going to eat healthy, 
which really is about restricting and counting. Controlling. So what, what is it I mean, when someone says, I need to eat healthy, which you know, we, we love to go to lunch, and when someone says, oh, you're going to eat healthy today, what, what's that mean? I'm going to have three Krispy Kremes instead of four? So <laughs> what does eating healthy mean? I mean, that's the problem, I think, is that for most people, eating healthy is fruits and vegetables, low-calorie, low-sugar, um, non-processed food, but mostly it's about controlling calories. But isn't that supposed to help your biochemical quality, your your clinical indicators yeah, if you the, eat those vegetables? The true definition of healthy to me is actually you eat a variety of things, you eat what you need, that, that which includes fat, which includes calories, as well as protein, carbohydrates, as well as major nutrients, but but it has become really dieting in our culture. So, I mean, I mean, Dennis knows, and they all know that what I don't do is use the word healthy very often because it is restrictive eating in our culture. When someone comes to my office and they say they're eating healthy, it's almost a, probably a 99% chance that what they're eating is very restrictive. And on that note, we have a caller. Right. Hello, you're on Impact's Exposure. Hi. Hello. Uh, you can hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Um, yeah, I was calling in earlier on the topic you were discussing about how it's become an issue, um, especially in Michigan with the governor um, talking about, you know, how, you know, his goal is to lose 10 or 15 pounds and it should be, you know, everybody's goal or whatever. And I think it's interesting, and I, I can kind of see where their heart is at with that. Um, I think part of it's politically driven to get people to lose weight with the health care bill and everything in question, and, you know, everybody's worried about their health care. And I think part of that ties into it, too. Um, you know, you can see where they're going, but I think there's not enough thought and going into certain things that they're saying, especially with the topic being eating disorders. I think it's interesting, you know, putting pressure on certain people that aren't going to do anything kind of negatively affects people that are already having a struggle with it, you know, and for that to come down to making it cheaper for healthcare and things like that is part of it, you know, kind of puts us in a, a tricky place as to what to do as far as like education goes. So do you agree with the governor's statement? Is that something that you support, or? Um, I don't agree is kind of a tricky thing. I don't really agree or disagree. Um, I don't think it's fair that you should say, oh, everybody's got to do it, because that would be better for everybody on the whole, because not everybody needs to lose weight. Some people need to gain weight to be healthy. And there's a lot of light shed on being obese, but it's also still the struggle of people you know, you can be thin and eat improperly just because you have maintain a healthy weight and, you know, good body fat to muscle ratio doesn't mean that you're necessarily a healthy individual, you know. And I think that's forgotten about a lot. Well, let me ask you a question, and thank you for calling in. Do you buy into this uh, argument that health care costs a lot more because our population is overweight or obese? Do you believe that obesity and overweight leads to a... Uh, Healthcare dollars? Yes, I do. Um, I personally, I used to be obese as a child. I weighed three, over 300 pounds when I was in high school. Um, and I had all sorts of back problems. I had to go visit my doctor. Um, both, both of my parents have struggled with weight. My mother and my sister have had laparoscopic band surgery, which ended up being a nightmare. Um, that, you know, the weight loss surgeries themselves are increasing to help, you know, larger budgets for healthcare just to make up for any, you know, things that have to be done afterwards like um it, for for if you lose that large amount of weight and your skin loses elasticity you have to have surgery then to reconstruct you know the skin that hangs and things like that too so that's gonna those are other hidden costs that are affecting it too and i think um 
so I kind of lost my train of thought. But I think all of those things, yeah, it does increase healthcare expenditures, um, you know, heart problems later in life and uh, different cancers that, from what I understand, are, you know, caused by having an unhealthy lifestyle. I think, you know, you just said a really important word, lifestyle. Really, you know, that's where you're really talking about exercise, act, you know, activity, as well as many other lifestyle factors that are going to impact your risk. Because body mass index is not necessarily related to an increased um, mortality rate. Mm -hmm. It's higher. So it's really much more sort of individually sort of regulated in terms of your risk. So when you think about cost, I mean, the research that I'm reading isn't really showing that there's a direct correlation with increased cost in higher body mass index and mortality mm -hmm. rate. So I think it's, it is really controversial, I agree. And I think for anybody at any, whatever size, just being active is really a huge part in terms of lowering your risk for any, any disease. But also, um, like I said, I think it's a really controversial issue for many, right. many people who don't. And there's a lot of marketing sort of to to make that confusing for most people to figure out. And, yes. then, and then to go back to the government, uh, governor's statement, when you said, you know, some, not everyone needs to lose 10 pounds, you know, some people need to gain weight to be healthy, to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like um, people who develop these eating disorders, uh, they can cause just as much money for the government with health issues later on in life. So, I agree 100%. You know, and so it's kind of like both ends of the spectrum where you're, you're definitely right in saying that, you know, it, it, there are probably many cases that where obesity does lead to more dollars in health care, um, but also at the other end of the uh, spectrum for men and female, or for men and women. Uh, yeah. Where, so, yeah, you had two very good points that I, I like there. Uh, I, I, we appreciate you calling in. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much, and stay in the line, and you can um, talk to our engineer about the prize pack that you just won from Ellen Health Center. <laughs> well, I, 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 I think the, thank you. Thank you. I think the point to me is... You know, and I think uh, Dr. John Robeson, who is uh, an adjunct faculty here at Michigan State, says it best when he says you can find health at any size. And that's the thing I think. I think sometimes we send messages out there that you can only find health if you are this certain body image at this certain weight with these certain abilities and this certain skin color and this certain orientation, and it drives me nuts. Because I think you can find health any size. I know folks who are underweight by BMI standards or overweight or obese who probably are are healthier in their attitude and their outlook on life than some people who constantly are in the gyms three to five hours a day, eating three to five vegetables a day, who would by biochemical clinical indicator styles be the perfect human being who are probably the unhealthiest people because they restrict everything they do to fit this mode. They're a slave to their routine well, and diets and exercise. One of the things we forget a lot about is it's not just about numbers. It's not, you can look at a weight, you can look at a BMI, but you have to also look at the psychology of what's going on for someone. Oh, yeah. now, if someone is a larger weight than they're actually meant to be, you have to wonder why that is. And usually, usually there are a lot of, for many people there are factors that contribute to why they use food the way that they do, or why they aren't active, or, you know, for someone who has three kids at home and they're a single parent and they're, they're on welfare and they, you know, 
there are lots of reasons why people can't go to the gym <laughs> mm -hmm. or why they can only buy certain foods because they don't have the income to buy, you know, to go to the market and buy fresh fruits and vegetables every day. There, we Coming have to think about a lot of the environmental as well as psychological reasons why people get to the place that they're doing. And that's where if you give them surgery or you, um, for example, I just read some research which indicated uh, a study out of Pennsylvania recently, where people who had bariatric surgery, there was a much higher suicide rate mm -hmm. and this in the first year to three years afterwards. Wow. Because a lot of times you have not necessarily dealt with the psychological reasons why someone gets to that place. Then mm -hmm. you haven't really dealt with the psychological adapting to a different body. And the other is that there's a lot, there is a fairly significant weight gain back for many people with um, bariatric surgery, as well as increased incidence of eating disorders with people with bariatric surgery. So there's a lot of thing, complications that um, can impact on that, which all go back to the psychology of dealing with someone emotionally around these issues, mm -hmm. which are so important, um, and we don't do it very well. No, we like to kind of push it under the rug, and right. it's just blame it, blame the person. It's easier to just blame yeah. Or just do this, and you'll be better, right. but then you still have all this internal stuff that has never been dealt with. And for our listeners, if you want to join this conversation at any time, the phone number is 432-3893, and you are listening to Impact Exposure on Impact Day 9 FM, in which Olin Health Center is in, and the topic of the day is we are talking about body image. And this fine, snowy night, well, we still will offer <laughs> you that complimentary prize pack full uh, condoms. Sexual Etiquette 101 condoms, right, Erica? That's right. I think Pins. Rhonda has a Love Your Body button maybe to throw in, too. Yeah. yeah. I could do that. I could, I could throw, throw it right at you. Again, yeah. the number is 432-3893. Maybe I could... Oh. So maybe I can tap into the the go into the psych. You were talking about the psychological mm -hmm. issues with obesity, and I might tap into our uh, male listeners out there because um, when you look at the other opposite of the spectrum of eating disorders, are um, it gets into the psychological uh, psychology of people who over exercise and overdo things and when it comes to men they're uh, ex especially vulnerable to muscle dysmorphia which is a condition in which uh, uh, people obsess about the lacking of muscle definition and mass even when they're muscular or in shape and that can lead to many other problems as uh, uh, of course with ex excessive exercise steroid, uh, steroid abuse and stuff like that so when it comes to be people who are, uh, seem healthy or have uh, that so-called perfect body okay, specifically yeah, let, men. Let's, let's cut the crap cut the crap let's cut it <laughs> man do you, do you think men really worry about their personal appearance yes I, I actually do you know I've uh, I think it's increasing it's definitely increasing within the past two decades um, you know with women yes in women you know eating disorders their focus is on thinness but men it's more, more about muscular build and a lot of times when I look when I walking through the the malls these days are mannequins there's even something that i've read in a couple issues or articles where male mannequins now support um larger chests and uh, a broader body so mannequins are on diets now ma mannequins are just as no, equal no they're beefed up oh they're, they're beefed, beefed up, up. And they even have genital bulges genital bulges yes, yes. um but you had to get in genital first bulges yeah. this is the first bulges. time in window dressing history apparently in the two past <laughs> two decades where male and even sizes and clothing are, are able to match broader things and uh, like I said um, they get into uh, it's not like unlike the satire if anyone remembers the Saturday Night Live skit Hans and Franz we are here to pump you up um, they would call people girly men when they were there were 
clearly well fit men and they weren't up to up to the standards that they should be like let's say the the old are he still the governor oh schwarzenegger schwarzenegger they you know they look at that as like oh i'm not big enough and luckily i'm a runner um so i've i've always been of a slim slender uh body type but i've always thought to myself you know and be pretty nice to be a little bit broader, you know. I could take care of myself and to go into well, like well, the well, women's. Well, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I may, I may have mistook like this. Well, yeah. Take care of yourself. What do you mean, take care of yourself? Um, because in my own psychology, my own psyche, I kind of tell myself, you know, I'm yeah. I'm supposed to be a man, and there's this image growing up. You know, nowadays where you need even even I'm I'm gonna say females. Look, there's a small subset of, uh, subset of females that. Um, they're usually the more financially substantial. Um, they're the ones who kind of want men to be perfect, have this perfect, quote-unquote, perfect um, body type. Oh, so blame it on women. Go I'm ahead. not going to do that because it's a go small ahead. minority, but there, yeah. are, there are people out there, and I want to try to hit every little genre. But we do have a caller. See what he's oh, okay. or oh. he or she has to say. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I was hoping the guy You're hoping the guy. You are on Impact's okay. Exposure. Hello. 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 Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking that call. Um, I, earlier you were talking about health and how uh, people <clears throat> have a healthy outlook on life. Some people are healthier than, you know, they're, they're uh, heavy, and they're, but they have a healthy outlook on life. And some people who are thin, they have unhealthy outlook on life. I think that's kind of like two different things as far as health-wise, um, that someone could have cancer and have a healthy outlook on life, but they're sick. You know, they're unhealthy. So I think that mixing those two things, where someone has a healthy outlook on life, and yet they're obese and they're they're not doing well because of whether they're obesity or anorexia nervosa. You know, people are really thin. Although I don't know many of those that have a healthy outlook on life, but uh, you know, there's that there there there's those extremes that um, ha have nothing to do with having a healthy outlook on life. I'm just seeing the duality there. Duplicity. Well, they, first of all, thank you for calling in on this very snowy night. Yeah, thank, but, you yeah, know, I'll listen. To, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, to me, and it only works for me, and I don't know if it works for any other, health is about the capacity that an individual has at any given moment to live, learn, grow, and experience the world. Health is not about just biochemical uh, quality of life or clinical indicators. Health is about your capacity at any time to learn, to interact with somebody, to engage with somebody. One of my best friends who passed away five years ago now had cancer, and she was probably one of the healthiest people I know, because even with her dis-ease, and that's all it is, it's a dis-ease, it's not a way of, of she could maneuver with her cancer. She was healthier because she had an idea of what life could give her, even with her dis-ease. She had a better outlook mentally, physically, uh, and she always said, it wasn't the cancer that got me down, it was my relationship with cancer. So it's not just, health is not just about biochemical things, but I always say that I want the word back. The medical community has hijacked the word health, and it's all become about biochemical quality of life, and it's not. It's about the capacity that you have at any given moment to do the things you want. It's about freedom. And people who are, quote, obese by BMI standards can be free to do the things as long as they know what their capacity is. Somebody who has a disease or an illness can still look at the world and engage it as long as they know what their capacity is within the confines of their disease. It's not about a Abilities. It's about how you look at the world. 
So I do appreciate your, your, the duality concept, but to me, health transcends, transcends so much of just the biochemical stuff. Well, and I was thinking as you were talking that part of the problem is we've, we've just become with such a narrow definition between not only the medical field, but media of the definition of health. And that's what's really, I think, limiting and restricting in terms of you can only be healthy if you're a certain way. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's very limiting for people. I think we need to have, it, like Dennis said, a much broader view of what that is, which includes uh, well, a more holistic view, if that's what you want to call it, a psychological as well as physiological. And it can't really be determined by numbers, to me. Well, thank you so much, caller, for calling in. We appreciate it. And he may not be there anymore. Hello. All right. And again, if you want to call in and join the conversation, the phone number is 432-3893. You're listening to Impact Exposure on Impact 89FM. <coughs> Tonight we have Olin Health Center in to talk about body image here on Impact Sex Exposure, the first Tuesday of every month. Yeah, we're glad to be with you, Emily. I think Eric and I saw this this fall when we uh, did a class, a freshman seminar class, and we talked to these freshmen. And you can jump in here, Kevin, at this point. We, we talked to him. the class? Well, we talked to him about the fact about personal appearance. How many of them were really worried about their personal appearance. And I was frankly surprised that probably everyone in there would talked about they were just very concerned about their personal appearance. Well, and it, mm -hmm. I don't think it was the concern that so much kind of struck me, but as it was almost paralyzing. Like, I flat out cannot go to class. I cannot leave my dorm room if I don't have, like, my makeup on and my hair done. And they were so concerned when they entered a room or a classroom that everyone was so focused on them that it was just paralyzing to them. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to see this, or my hair's not done, or my ears are sticking out. And these are freshmen. And this was the first couple of months they'd even been on campus. And I think the men were probably more expressive in their comments than some of the women were in, in the freshman class, if I remember well, saying that, you know, kind of that beef up, got oh, a little yeah. dry, and that's, I mean, that's where I'll go back. You had, had, you'd pose the question to me again, if I think men have these eating disorders, I think, yeah, some of the, like I said, the most healthy-looking people, they, they don't feel like they're good enough or they've reached their full potential of healthiness. And I feel like that, I mean, boys and teens suffer emotional trauma for the quest of bigger muscles, and that could cause future medical problems. Uh, they often develop like fear of foods or anxiety that result in eating disorders later on in life. Uh, purging after they eat a lot, making sure they you know, only eat the healthiest, quote unquote, healthiest of foods. Um, well, and that, that brings me to the point where you know, psychology and I have talked about this, and I, you know, any any time we've ever declared war on any health issue, we've number one probably failed. It costs us a lot of money, and we don't talk about the collateral damage. Now, the collateral damage on the war on obesity, you know, we've said jokingly, and sometimes very seriously, that we're going to declare war on the war on obesity, because the fact that the war on obesity has so much collateral damage in the ways of what Kevin's talking about. You know, some eating disorders, disordered eating, dysfunctional body images. Can I you? mean, I mean, really, if you talk to, I do a lot of work with the Counseling Center, and I think the number of students they see, have seen with the eating disorder fall semester compared to the year before was almost double. And mm. I know mm. um, I, the last two days, that's been my every hour appointment. And it's and it's not really, it's not just women. I mean, I see so many more men now than I used yeah. to. I see, it, it really transcend, transcends um, uh, cultural, ethnicity, uh, age, 
gender. There's really not the sort of boundaries on that anymore where you would think white, female, upper socioeconomic right. class. Uh, so, because really, when you think about it, when you have to market body dissatisfaction, which women are well already been covered for a long time, then men um, had became a market. There isn't a magazine you can really pick up that doesn't tell you health, how you should wish you know? to be someone else. Uh, the British Medical Journal said the number of men who openly report dissatisfaction with their physical appearance has tripled in the past two decades alone. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'll go back to that's little, a lot of media based. A lot of the stores you walk by, they're they're showing you what you should look like and what you. Yeah, and I think the other thing is we're okay as a culture to try to change ourselves. It's interesting. We get so worried about artificial foods or processed foods, but it's okay to um, to buy products to alter ourselves in some way or attempt to mm -hmm. lose weight or attempt to uh, gain something. Um, and we seem to be okay with that or do surgery to alter in some way. You know, to me, I think that's a sort of... A, a double standard or a conflict of what you really believe in because why is it okay to complain about the food but okay to take um, some type of drug to try to alter yourself in some way just to try to not be okay with yourself and or maybe it's just me but that's kind of how I see it and again to join the conversation the phone number is four three two three eight nine three so a comment that I have is you know we're talking about the issue of eating disorders and the you know, the idea of what is healthy is restrictive. But a, a question that I have is, is it because of America's culture that it has to be restrictive? So um, I know I had a coworker that lived in, who grew up in Japan. She said, you know, I came to America and the way that your culture is with food is very different from my culture. It is. The, the food <laughs> that you guys eat is so different. different you know, it's right. processed. You know, I wake up, I have like fish for breakfast or mm -hmm. something, the high protein, you know, like smaller portions, you know, rice and some other things, you know, throughout the day and how mm -hmm. just the way that food is in different cultures is very different. Or whereas if you go to Europe, you're walking a lot more mm -hmm. because that's how, you know, towns and cities, do. that's, yeah. that's how right. towns and cities are set up. Right. So with America's culture, with more processed food, you, you have to drive to get places, is because of the way our culture function is that why people have to be restrictive, is because we have so many options in front of us, and it's so much about our culture to, you don't ha have maybe as easy access as if you, you know, lived in Europe where you have to walk everywhere, or, you know, where a part of the culture is to have smaller portions or healthier food available. Yeah, I feel like we have the access to it, it's just not the education that... Well... I guess maybe, I'm not sure if I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. So I'm saying, but can, let me can I just mm -hmm, try? Yeah. Is that is a part of our culture? Um, you th you know you think about. I think our culture definitely is not the only factor, but it's a huge part of the factor. But it has to do with how you think about when, as we, I'm trying to think of the words really to say it, people have demanded instant gratification sort of things, which includes food. People. I talk to so many people who don't sit down to eat a meal. Yeah. You're, how many workers are really encouraged not to take a lunch hour, right? How many people, you get to work early, you work through your lunch hour, you leave, you've got things to do, go to meetings, do all these things, you don't really take time to eat. So, th so therefore, we want convenience food, but then we want to complain about it. Mm -hmm. But then we don't want to learn how to cook, you know, because we don't have time. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know how to grocery shop, we don't know how to go to the market, we don't know how to... Um, do even basic, basic type of meals. So we need to have, quote-unquote, need to have all these convenience foods, but yet the media makes it really clear that they're part of the problem. We embrace that as part of the problem, but what would we do if we didn't have them?
That's so I think so we get caught in a cycle that where do we break the cycle? Mm -hmm. And so you can blame the food, but I don't think the food's a problem. Well, no one really makes you go to a certain place, eat whatever they're given to you, and not do anything else. You really we have personal, I'm sorry, Dennis, we just have personal choice and personal responsibility about that. We have to be willing to make the time to do those things, and many people are not willing and to so do that. And so maybe the people that don't have the time, their personal choice is to restrict those fast, easy options. Oh, people who have people have time. It's what you choose to make the time of. Right. Okay. So I don't I don't buy the line that people don't have time. For the most part, people have time. You make time for you go to the gym for an hour and a half, or you make time to um, I don't know watch the Super Bowl this weekend <laughs> or something like that. You have time if. I mean, you have time to do it if it becomes important to you. You can say allocation. But people also want the easy way yes. out. Priorities. And when you look at um, dieting, it so promises you the easy way out, right? It, it just You just do this. You do what I tell you. Quick fix. And then it'll work. And it'll work for a short period of time. But then when, when it doesn't work, people don't blame the diet. They blame themselves. You start in this cycle of just feeling like you didn't have willpower, you didn't have control, you didn't have discipline enough, try the next diet, maybe you'll do it right this time. So you get into this cycle. And I'm generalizing, but more it's um, well, more or less that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a hard time buying, buying the fact or talking about this as being a product of our culture. To me, it's not something I think that this culture asks for. I think this is a product of a free society. A free society allow, allows you to be able to uh, provide things for people to choose whether they want them and with the freedom that we have here in this society not part of our culture we have chosen to go this way and you can bet that if it sells it's going to be produced even more even if you look at these societies now especially in light of what's happened in the last couple of weeks in Tunisia and other places as these societies become free societies you're going to see the McDonald's and you're going to see the Burger Kings and you're going to see them move in there because that's a product of, of a free society that you have these and then when you have that product there People take advantage of it because they want to do more in less time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure it's a product of our culture, but it's a product of a free society, if anything. But it's kind of where our culture is. Well, I, I see what you're saying. Right. I can see it both ways. It depends on how you use the word. Right. But um, I just don't believe in blaming the food, really, because I, I do think it's a personal choice. And it's more work to take the time to do certain things. But, but how many people are willing to, to yeah. do more but So, work? But then why you know? do you blame the food? Or why do you say, why are you willing to spend money um, on how much money on a diet or a diet book when you're not willing to spend time and money to buy different food or buy a better variety of food or learn how to take a cooking class if you don't know how to cook? Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of classes out there if you want to do that. There are certainly videos to learn how to cook. So it's really cook about deciding it's a priority, but people don't. So when you know if students often get here, many of them have not learned how to cook at all. Mm -hmm. And so then it's, you don't have time to do it, et cetera. You know, you get into that same cycle, right? And I understand there is some time constraints, but again, it is also not that difficult. But it's also maybe a part of their personal culture, their family. You know, they never, you know, had to cook for themselves, so they get to college and, well, I don't know how to. Right. You know, well, and and a lot of families don't cook. Yeah. And so. then it's just a recurring cycle. But again, I'd like our listeners to join in this conversation, see what their opinions are. 432-3893. Get a prize pack. <laughs> Get a complimentary prize pack. We'll and a cooking lesson. No, and a cooking lesson. I'll talk to anyone who Kevin's wants to learn how to cook something. <laughs> well, this question's come up quite a bit because I think that uh, our department has a philosophy that we've tried to push forward, you know, and 
but then the question always comes up from people and students at times, but what if I want to lose weight? What if I just want to lose weight because I feel better 15 pounds less or what? What do you say to those people and how do you help those people? I know some people sense? in the community that want <laughs> No, Seriously. Okay. So if a student came to you and said, you know, I, I, I'm not... They do I'm, come to me and say... And they say, I just, I just want to lose 15 pounds because I, I would feel better if I was 15 pounds less. But actually, um, that's all daily in my office. I get yeah. that comment. I would feel better. I mean... And I mean, what do you really, say to them? I'd say, why do you think so? I mean, I, you know, really have to... Then you have to go into the history of what got them here to, to the mm -hmm. day in my office. I mean, what is, you know, what is their pattern of weight? What is their, you know, certainly what age, because people's weight is fluctuating a lot when you're going through growth and development, certainly even into college, especially for men. Mm -hmm. um, so you really look at what is their history around food and weight, which is really a discussion about what brought them eventually to my office and why they feel like they would, they would feel better if they lost 10 or 15 pounds. I mean, there are people who legitimately have gained weight inappropriately and need to lose it. But my, in my experience, focusing on weight loss as the, as the way to go, as the approach to eating, actually was almost guaranteed to determine failure for them long term. Mm -hmm. So I don't focus on, on weight loss in terms of a particular diet. You say, well, you know, we look at your activity, we look at your relationship with food, we look like, are you going all day without eating? You know, are you just, what is your sort of basic lifestyle around food and eating? An activity and kind of work with it from there instead of going at the approach of, you know, you need to, eat, as I was trained to do, eat 1,200 calories and <laughs> and right. starve, basically. And from a so, male's perspective, yeah. um, as a sophomore or junior, and this is to all you male listeners out there, if you have any stories to talk about, call on in. Um, I lived somewhat close to campus and I had access to all of these food locations and there was just something to be a time in my life that I didn't exercise as much as I wanted to. Luckily now I run as much as I can um, if I have the time, which I make the time also, that's the thing. But it was a mixture of what I did eat, which was a lot of bad foods, lots of pizza, lots of unhealthy, wrapped. Okay, Did you just I, say can, bad can, food? Yeah, can I just... Okay, I'm going to say you. bad food. I'm going to come across this bad, table and tackle with you. With bad exercising yeah. habits. How about you just say, instead of using the word bad, because part of the problem, especially when you... No, 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 no. Um, just say it differently, then. Different say it differently. Food. Different food. You weren't paying attention. I was not paying okay, attention. Okay, but it's not about... Because there's nothing wrong with McDonald's or pizza or those right. kind of things. If that becomes the only thing you eat, then you have a different problem. That was but my if problem. You, you know, <laughs> because those are the kind of comments, especially around eating disorders, mm -hmm. that make people feel guilty about eating those things when they're really not the problem. Right. Things we do occasionally are just not the problem. Right. If so, we're doing them all the time, then we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing them all the time? But the again, those things are not the problem. It's what we're doing, you know, in our, mm -hmm. with them. So, so as a like, I guess the point of that story was that <laughs> I had access to a lot of different food places, and I was not choosing to have a normal um, exercise routine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of when you have all this food and you're not burning it all off, and it's not. Uh, what, what word should I use if I weren't to use bad food? Um, I was not eating... Variety. Uh, variety. I was variety. lack of variety, yes, correct. That, right. That's exactly See what how it hard is. it is to it, not it is, use yeah. these words? You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's, as a, as a early college student, I definitely had a, a large fluctuation of weight that I've finally normalized, and I realized this is, you know, between 10 and 15 pounds is what my normal weight is now, and I figured that out after my... Um, my unnormative eating habits. Well, did, 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 I mean, when you when you were in that pattern, Kevin, were you feeling yes. guilty about after, 
after I looked back at myself and what I did eat and my my exercise habits, yes, I did. It was some sort of guilty, like, because I had always been an athlete my whole life, and I always had this normal routine, but I was thrown into college, and my routine suddenly, and we tell this to the freshmen, incoming freshmen all the time, that your routine's going to change. You're not going to be, if you're a, a sports person, you're not going to be in your normal regiment every single day, and you won't be burning all these calories that you normally burn. And if Do you, you tell them that? Um, we tell them that you, <laughs> we do mention that, like you know, as an incoming college student, you're going to fluctuate your weight, and right. that's true. And I was one of those people as as a male. It, it just so happened to happen. I never really thought about it because, like I said, I was always a soccer player and a runner. And you get out of your normal regimen of exercising, and you yeah. eat these non-variety of or lack of variety of foods, <laughs> then you will. Uh, you will see a fluctuation of weight. And did I feel guilty? Yeah, there was a time afterward because I was like, this, this is not my my normal lifestyle. You know, I felt that I was uh, over a weight that I felt could be my maximum potential uh, to... What's, I'm trying to find my right terms. I'm <laughs> politically rigor. correct in the eating <laughs> disorder arena. You're going to be nice to the virgin impact. It's, it's my first day. It's my first day. I know, I know. That's why I'm you're doing, you're doing a great job. Uh, I mean, you're doing yeah, a great so, job. I think we are, you know, uh, I am a, a sensitive to that type of language because I know what it can do to people. Mm -hmm. and, and I am super sensitive to it because uh, that's, that's what I work with when I work with students all right. the time. And, and the power of the words is really powerful. Well, Rhonda, so you work with people at, um, you work at Olin Health Center and specifically with, with um, you know, is it eating disorders specifically that you work with? That's, a, I mean, not just that. I mean, okay. Students can come see me for any reason. Right. So. But when people come to you for eating disorders, where do a lot of, where does a lot of their issues with food or body image come from? And I know you see a lot of people, but I'm curious, what do you see the most of? Wow, I'm trying to... You know, there are some common denominators in the sense that um, it, they might come from a family, like a second-generation eating disorder. So if they have a, a parental environment that is very diet-restrictive focused, that's sort of sexual assault mm. is a common denominator. So you attempt to not eat to sort of not feel what happened, or you um, try to eat a lot to try to ch make yourself unattractive, for example. Um, end of relationship is a big one. Mm. Relationship ends, then you sort of try to alter your body so you can be perfect. So you can, like, they Can't lost me, it. or but mostly so it, I'm okay, I'm okay. And those, that would be a, a common thing. Um, some people just really started, and this is a really common statement, I just thought I'd lose 10 pounds to be healthier, and they don't realize that they can't stop. Mm -hmm. um, that's If I had a quarter, I was joking, if I had a quarter, I would be, I used to say the Cayman Islands, but I actually would be in Italy, for everybody who said, <laughs> <laughs> said that to me. Um, mm -hmm. So those are some common things. Sometimes, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I mean, there's a common sort of low self-esteem um, kind of issues, but the, the major ones are relationships, uh, chronic, just wanted to eat to get healthier and lost weight, and people say, you look great, and then it just goes further. And so those are the ones I tend to see the most. And, um, and sometimes it's uh, substance abuse, and eventually what people pick is they might do alcohol or other drugs, and then eventually just end up with the eating disorder. I mean, can, so it can 
Yeah, I mean, just identity, trying to figure out identity, that can be an issue. There, are, I guess what I'm saying is there are a lot of reasons people get mm. oh, to yeah. that place, um, which is also why it makes it so difficult to to get better is because there's a lot of things that have to be done because it's a psychiatric disorder in order for people to sort of traverse to a better, transition to a better place. So it's really difficult. And Kevin, you, you've been with the theater troupe for a while, mm -hmm. uh, the Olin Theater Troupe, dealing with sexuality. And, and Erica, uh, you are the... Uh, director of the Center for Sexual Health Promotion, as you think about body image and its impact on and the students' desire or want to sexually express themselves, how do you think that plays into it? Did you, what do you see when students talk about body image and sexuality and their expression of I don't ever hear students talk about it. I mean, I don't know if Kevin has it How do you think it impacts all, students, uh, though, body image? I, I think it does. I mean, I think there's this constant struggle, like, am I good enough? Well, that my roommate or the girl down the hall looks like this, and is my boyfriend going to, or girlfriend going to leave me for this person? I think it's always there. But I don't ever hear students really talk about it. You know, and I often wonder, too, sometimes, like, how that can affect a relationship. Like, if you can't go out and just have a good time and maybe, like, get ice cream on a hot summer day or just enjoy each other, you know, if you're of um, age, you know, just have I, a, I hear have that a, a lot, that kind yeah. of conversation, is that I, I'm really scared I have to go out with my significant other on a date. To, we're going to go out to dinner and he or she wants to go somewhere new and I don't know there's not a calorie count mm -hmm. on the internet and I, you know it can create incredible anxiety. Incredible. Also well, in an eating disorder your relationship is the eating disorder so it's very hard to have an intimate relationship. And then even also being intimate, if you're not comfortable with your body, to be sexually intimate with someone is very, very difficult thing to do. Well, that's what I was getting to. I mean, yeah. We talk about, you know, those for those people who choose to be sexually expressive mm -hmm. with a partner. They, at some point, when you're doing that, you may have to expose your body to the other person. And I know over the years, there's been a lot of students who have been concerned about doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Kevin, did you, do you ever hear students at all? I mean, I've never really heard them. Even um, the troop no they, I mean like it's it's hard to get we usually see a lot of the freshmen it's hard to get yeah. freshmen to vocalize anything <laughs> about <laughs> even sexuality yes yeah, intimacy alone but I guess I don't mean when actually I, that you're hearing these conversations but uh, is this an issue among students you know yeah. body image and oh. expression of sexuality oh, yeah. well, and, I think and I know Emily you were a, an mentor, RA at yeah. one time mm -hmm. too or a mentor I mean is this an issue you think to, among oh, students yeah I know when I was a was I was a mentor um, one year, you know, I had two students on the floor that I knew for sure had eating disorders, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that was very stressful for me because I don't know how to handle it, you know. <laughs> how do you address that issue when you know that people are coming knocking on your door saying this girl's throwing up in the middle of the night, you know, and yeah, so, that's, I mean, it, it's yeah. definitely prevalent. It's definitely prevalent. Yeah, a lot of people are afraid, are afraid to say the wrong thing, so they don't mm -hmm. know really should they confront someone, should they... Mm -hmm. Hand him a piece of paper, <laughs> like under the bathroom I care about door. You, but I yeah, about you and put something over the toilet. Or and I feel like yeah. with men, I feel like if they do have an eating disorder or some sort of um, psychological issue where they don't feel like they reach their fullest potential, they're I feel like less men are less vo likely to vocalize their problems to complain um, altogether. I think men are li less likely to complain altogether. I think and I'm men not whine more. I, I, well, oh, they do when they're in pain. I'll, like, I'll, I'll say that. But I would say as a whole, it's it's I guess maybe the mentality that um, it's a less masculine thing to do when you vocalize what problems you are having. Well, how would you and reminder, and that's not my viewpoint. It's just as a whole. I feel like. Sure, Kevin. Right, jump, <laughs> jump in here. Kevin, I mean, the issue with men with eating disorders, what if you 
suspected uh, one of your friends might have an eating disorder, how would you approach him? Um, it's hard. It, I mean, it's it, that's a difficult to approach altogether. But I would say, depending on what the disorder was, I would say if it was to the spectrum of that they're engaging in excessive exercise and they, um, you might see them maybe dabbling in some steroids and stuff like that. Addressing it is seems like a non-option for me because I don't want, I'm not a, I don't like any sort of, um, what's the word? Confrontation, Confrontation altogether. <laughs> and let alone if they're using steroids, who knows how they're going to take the information. But um, I would yeah. definitely, if knowing the resources that I know that are out there, like even our, um, the counseling center we have on campus, I would, probably my first thing would be nonchalantly and not putting my name on it, but giving them information indirectly about what they can do if if they have it uh, an issue. But so you're gonna stick it under the door. Then. Stick it up. That's exactly yes, what I was picturing. <laughs> well, you know, this question yeah. comes up a lot when I, we do yeah. mentor training, Rhonda. When people when people ask yeah. you, what do I what do I do when I suspect somebody has an eating disorder or dysfunctional body image? I think problems? it's really appropriate to be direct to be direct and, and not in an aggressive assertive way because mm -hmm. somebody with the whether it's a muscle dysmorphia or eating disorder anorexia bulimia they can't just stop because someone says you know I'm really mm -hmm. concerned mm -hmm. about you they're going to need professional help to do that right. but the main thing is when if you notice some behaviors and you're really concerned if you were worried they might have cancer you would probably say something this this is right. sort of the same thing is to say you know, always use the I voice, I'm really concerned about you, and these are the reasons why I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can always tell you if you're full of whatever, but the thing is, at least you you said something. And also, you can provide them with resources. I mean, right now, we have an, actually an official eating disorder team. Myself, um, Julia Popino, physician at Olin, and um, psychiatry at Olin, and also uh, the counseling center. So we actually meet weekly now. And uh, it's great. It's one of the best things. We, I mean, we've done some really good work with students as a team. That's so much more possible when you have all, because it is a multi-disciplined kind of treatment. So it's been great. But saying, hi, I'm really concerned, and I really care about you. And I'll tell you, even if they do get really angry and tell you to get out, most nine times out of ten, those students later will say to me, I am so happy my friend said something to me. When they're really ready Outside to work on it. Yeah, they're, because they're not thinking no. clearly at that time. They can't make that. And um, well, it almost seems that, you know, Kevin, I can kind of ascertain where you're coming from the, <laughs> from the male perspective. It might be a little bit more, I don't know, scary to talk to another man about this. Or not. Getting in their territory if we go to a whole don't, don't, don't territorial. Territory. But <laughs> the segue here is, is actually the Nita. The theme to this is time to time talk to about talk it. about it. Yep. Right, it's time you, to talk about and it. And I know we only have a few minutes left. You want to talk about some of the events that are happening? Um, yeah, February twentieth through twenty sixth is Eating <coughs> Disorder Awareness Week on campus in Ruby, RHA, UAB, and Olin are participating in many activities. Mm -hmm. uh, Monday is Operation Beautiful. Watch for sticky notes with really positive body image statements all over campus. They'll be sort of randomly distributed. Um, and then uh, Trash Talk Tuesday, we're going to be in different halls. I'm meeting tomorrow with Culinary Services, actually. Depends on the snow. <laughs> and we are setting up some distribution sites to, um, to have people s sort of decide to spend the rest of the week and not say negative things about themselves, like, I'm so bad, I'm so disgusting. So we have them write what they usually say or hear people say and tear it up and throw it in a trash can, and then they get a button that says, no bad body talk. 
And then on Wednesday, it's our annual Twix bars where we hand out Twix bars all over campus. And they say, Wednesday without worry, do worry about calories, fat, and carbs. Ask yourself why. Enjoy food and celebrate yourself. And the whole idea of that is eating disorders are not about food, so we shouldn't be afraid of a candy bar. Though I always get calls about that. Contributing <laughs> to obesity with a miniature Twix bar. I don't know. And then on Thursday, I'm really excited about this. Uh, a couple years ago, we brought uh, Daryl Roberts with America the Beautiful movie to to show. And this he has done a sequel to America the Beautiful, the documentary on body image. And it's called America the Beautiful Health for Sale, which is really about the effect the diet industry has had on health in this country. And he's interviewed people all over the country, including our own John Robeson here at Michigan State University. So he's coming on the 24th, courtesy of UAB. It's going to be in Kedzie Hall, South One. S107, and um, he's also going to be available for Q&A after. And this movie has not been released yet. It's going to be premiering in March at a National Eating Disorder Conference, so we're pretty excited that Daryl's coming here to show that. So those are the things that are going on that week, and you can also go to, um, you can contact me at Olin or Ruby's uh, Facebook page, or you can msueda.com. We have a web page, so. So on, on, you know, uh, Marie, who was going to be with us tonight, but we let her stay home because of the snow, she prepared something about the language of fat, and I only, only have a couple of minutes here, but I have to pose this question to everybody on how to answer it, because it, it's the perennial question that I think we all get sometime when you're in a relationship with another individual when they say, do I look fat in this? <laughs> and I want to know how to answer that question, Rhonda, or... or has anyone ever posed that to their Kevin. significant other? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to ask the question, what does it mean to love your body? <laughs> well, well, I guess... I'm the, well, that's another show. That's another show. That's, yeah. that's, that's the masturbation show. That's oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, that's the cool. next one. Next right. one, okay. No, that's, it's, it's I'm antsy, sorry. I mean, yeah. The language of fat. The language of fat. When somebody, you know, it's kind of a gag routine, but I'm sure it's posed a lot in relationships when someone Too says... Much. Do I look fat in this? And how, do you, how do you answer that question, Rhonda? Exhausting. Yeah, yeah. What, people what say, say it a lot. Exhausting. I actually have a cartoon in my office, actually a card that says, a woman is saying, do I look fat in this? And there's a guy with a bubble next to his head, thought bubble, that says, do I look stupid? <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, But actually what I tell people is there's no way to answer that question. Hmm. You're better off to not answer it. Because if you say yes, <laughs> well, what you know, exactly. where, where do you go from there? But how do you avoid the if question no, if someone asks it? If you say no, then they don't believe you. If somebody has to ask, then they're there not going to believe have. whatever you answer. Yeah, so the question is really to ask there. back, why is it you want? Why is it you're asking the question? Because yeah. that's really what it's about. Why is it you're asking the question? Because there is no win answer, so that yeah. you're not going to be behind mm -hmm. by giving that question. Cause, but it really is about why... Why are you asking that question? So, so to all you listeners, you know what to say now. <laughs> no, you might not get the right what response. Keep the thought bubble, it. but... <laughs> yeah. What if you get back to your statement? Don't psychoanalyze me. Just tell me if I look fat in this. Say no. Because you're not going to... And I would say no, because no matter what I say, there's going to be no way you're going to believe what I say, or it's going to be an answer. The other analogy is like scratching poison ivy. It feels better for the moment, but the next moment, it doesn't feel good anymore. So, <laughs> I have much experience with poison ivy, so I can honestly say that. But you know what I mean? I mean, that's how I feel about it. There's no way to really make someone feel good. Because they have to feel beautiful themselves. I think we all like to hear why you look 
beautiful. Mm -hmm. But to have to draw that from someone else means you have concerns about it yourself. So ladies, don't ask that question. Men don't. Men too. I guess so. Men too, yeah. Give it back to me. That's right. right. (laughs) Men have body images issues as well. I believe Mm -hmm. that. I totally believe that. We're on radio, but you couldn't see Emily's face when she said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, men do have body images. And I know men will say the same thing. And, you know, and it works both ways. You know, I'm fairly thin. And when I go out with people, sometimes people say, you're so thin. Why don't you put on some weight? Or... Why don't you gain some weight? I hear that all the time. Oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> so well, you, you must eat so healthy because you're a dietitian or because you're thin or whatever. Then I love to torture them by ordering three Krispy Kremes yeah. right in front of them. I eat. You know, it's really, it's so much more about so many other things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. So, okay. the one, uh, you know, when you have a manager, but the language of fat. So how how do you... Tell people not to use this language anymore. What do you tell the people? You can't tell them. (laughs) You can suggest. Well, what you can do is um, you can start to have them start to write down the negative things they say about themselves. And if they write them down, they finally can see them. And then you can ask them on the other side of it. Like you make sort of a checklist. You write down the negative things. The other side is you then write a counter to the negative things or even a neutral statement. Mm -hmm. You know, so that eventually you can transition them to a much more positive place about it. Because right now, the first thing people think is, I'm fat, or they check themselves focus in the mirror. Focus on the negative. Right, focus on the negative, right. And so you try to get them to at least be neutral and then move to a, a more positive. Body image is incredibly difficult to change. So, be positive so, in 2011. That's so right. If people, if people want to talk more about this or get some help, what should they do? I don't know. No, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, you, know, you can go to the um, Kevin said you go to the counseling center. They have some walk-in hours that you can go in and, and get help. Um, nutrition services are for all MSU students, and you can call the Olin appointment number and set that up. And that certainly is, you can enter the system in any way. The most important thing is to not to keep it inside, but to talk to somebody about it. And if you're not to the right person, and they need, you know, we can all refer you to the person that would be most helpful to you. And on that note, I would like to thank our friends of Olin Health Center. Thank you, Kevin, Erica, Rhonda, and Dr. D for coming in for this uh, first Tuesday of the month, Sexposure, in which Olin Health Center comes in to talk about relationships, um, health, sex, uh, body image was the topic of tonight. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And for our listeners, we will be back the first Tuesday of March. Thank you again so much, Olin Health Center. Thanks, Emily. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure.